Minus three is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi, hello, sports fans. Welcome to Minus Three, presented as ever by Omaha. It was a dandy weekend. Muzzle tub to Jaden Daniels on that Heisman Trophy. Congratulations, too, to Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson, your MVP frontrunners, along with Brock Purdy, who's sitting there at two to one. Dak, with that victory, as I told you, would happen, is now plus 170. He has the shortest odds out there. Lamar sitting not too far back at six to one after the Ravens. Victory in overtime against the game Rams. Told you the Rams were going to show up for that one. NFC picture, like I said, Cowboys finally did it. Whipped a good team, that is. Lions lost, so it's starting to feel more and more like it's San Francisco, Dallas, or Philadelphia going to the Super Bowl this year. AFC side is all about KC. Not in a good way, though. In a bad way, you heard about all the officiating stuff. So let's focus in there with our guy in just a second, though. I do want to say we have Neil Kulong from Sports Illustrated. He tweeted something that caught my eye. It required that we get him on the show ASA AMP. His tweet was, I no longer think Mike Tomlin survives this. Survives this being the season or into 2024 as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to track him down and get to the bottom of this assertion. He is no hot taker. So, of course, I am intrigued by this, especially after the Steelers' loss to our first guest's team. He is the <laughs> boss. Well, look, look at him right there, back on top of the mountain where he belongs, as ever. You know him from around the NFL. It's Greg Rosenthal. What's the poop, fella? How are you? You know, I do feel on top of the world. They're the most fun three and ten team in the league. It did. It did remind me of growing up, like when you would just get excited when Dick McPherson would get to that sixth win, or Rod Rust had that one win, and that would it would just make your whole weekend the better. It's more special when you don't win many. Hey, I've said it many times before. The thing that I think the Youngs don't fully understand is the transition from the Patriots being lovable losers in their fancy, you know, in their, in their, in their cool Pat Patriot uniforms. And that old Foxborough stadium had its charm to it and, and dusting off the field to upset Don Shula in the snow and all of that. There was a lot to like about Steve Grogan and his neck roll. Then, you know, then you change uniforms and you started winning Super Bowls and you became loathsome. And here we are now let's talk about this AFC. And I'm going to start with this question for you, Greg Rosenthal. Who do you want coaching the New England Patriots in 2024? Wow. I I don't have like a answer off the top of my head. I mean that like I haven't I don't have a pre-planned answer. I mean Ben Johnson would be fun. Okay. Like some some college coach I don't even know about that's like running a cool offensive system. I want an offensive coach. Uh, and I don't hate the idea of Bill Belichick being back either. Like if that happens, I'm not going to be like lighting pitchforks about it. Okay. Well, let's, let's, uh, take the half step back and ask that question then. Do you think Belichick is shown the door or chooses to leave or is traded or otherwise? I think they position it that he's choosing to leave. I don't know if they can get anything in a trade for him at this point, but it's essentially a firing. I, I am fully expecting that. It, it, barring them like going on a run here where they win four out of five, which I really do not expect. Uh, I think 
he's gone. Hmm. And do you think that that's fair to do? Yeah. I hmm. Just the way this season's gone, the way the last four or five seasons gone, it's not about his coaching. He's obviously a good defensive coach still. But at some point, it got very stale in terms of the amount of people that are in that building that could like answer to him or have any sort of power whatsoever. It got rid of everyone. It's kind of a classic thing, not just with coaches, but in business, it's like you can hire the first group of people and you teach them all the ways to do it. And you're finding all these people. And it's like, this guy's in his mid seventies and he's just bringing back. Cause he doesn't know any new people in his industry. He's not bringing in any fresh ideas and in the front office, especially, I think that's the problem. Like he's just doing what he wants. There's no one to say no. He runs absolutely everything. So he's a great coach. Kind of reminds me of Mike Shanahan, who I always thought was still the best or one of the three best offensive coaches in the league, even when he was kind of mediocre in Denver, but they gave him all the power and it's like, it's too much for one man. And this is too much for one man, even Bill Belichick. I talked to you after Thursday night football, probably six weeks or so ago. And I floated this idea to you. And it sounds like at least you kind of are considering it a little bit in your answer of who should coach the Patriots next year. And probably it applies universally to a pro football team. If you're hiring a new guy, Brian Flores is getting some buzz out there and D'Amico Ryan's, is succeeding down in Houston, but those are anomalies in my book. Now it feels like it's all about who is the offensive. You remember the whole, uh, the whole Sean McVay phenomenon. And then everybody wanted to hire McVay acolytes. And then it became happening and same, right. And then now it's kind of moved up the coast a little bit. Hey, who's, who's met Kyle Shanahan before let's hire his friends too. And it does seem like that it maybe is now. And I'm going to say my hot take again for you that I told you six weeks ago. I think now that it might be more important to have a progressive offensive whiz calling the plays than it is to have the high-end talented QB. And before you answer, let me remind you (laughs) of Justin Herbert in Los Angeles right now struggling, bad finger or otherwise. And Jared Goff having a nice season once he suddenly has Ben Johnson looks resurrected mostly there. And then you look at Jake Browning and you look at Joe Flacco and you look at the Josh Dobbs success story, limited though it may end up being. But you get my point here. It feels like wherever those progressive young offensive minds go, success follows. How say you? I still think the quarterback's more important, though, because I think the ceiling is you need you need both. But I think Stafford and Dak this year are good examples of like you need to have that guy there. But then if everything around him gets better and the coaching gets better, then you can get to the very top. But you, you need both. And to me, the quarterback is harder to find because there's only 10 to 12 of them. And so that's more important. It's just understanding who those guys are. I'd never... I never backed off that Dak was one of those guys. I mean, he's he's not Josh Allen and he's not, you know, Patrick Mahomes, but he was one of those guys that if you had a good team around him, you could absolutely go all the way and have one of the best offenses in the league. We've seen him do that. And now it's happening again. It's just he's not going to totally elevate you week after week if things aren't great around you. But there's there's almost none of those guys. They don't exist. It's a team sport, Dave. I hear your noise there, the boss. I see always, always cool and collected. Now, unflappable is the boss. But okay, here's the, here's the pushback <laughs> on that. You can't just muscle your way in terms of high end talent, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or anyone else. 
through NFL defenses. The way it's the, the ebb and flow of it, the defenses feel like they're largely winning, at least to the extent that you're not going to throw the ball over our head and beat us all day long. You're we're going to make you nickel and dime it, whether you're Lamar Jackson or Mahomes or anyone else. And uh, and well, I guess Dak is kind of disproving what I just said there. But for the most part, you're, you're picking up what I'm laying down. Um, and so where Patrick Mahomes is concerned, he is the gold standard after all at this point. What do you make I, all the all, all the tumult? For me, it's it's an inability to see the forest for the trees. Once again, from the media, the reaction of Mahomes and Andy Reid on Sunday night was frustration. They're they're you know like oh my god, are these receivers suck and they're not going to point fingers at MVS and Kadarius Tony. So they lashed out. They that you know wasn't a great moment for them. But they're largely right. The officiating sucks. But the real frustration is <laughs> boy. We thought we had survived this whole Tyreek Hill transition away from him and this new form of offense. And now the bill has come due a year and a half after Tyreek Hill left. And they're left with Travis Kelsey, who's not as good as he was two years ago. How say you? Well, that's true. I don't think Kelsey's as explosive as he was. I A lot came together. I think everything that you said is is right. But also that play... I believe what Mahomes said too, that like that was such a special play that was, you know, would have been the most special moment of this NFL season. If they hold on to win, by the way, I kind of literally true. That's a great point. Yeah. You're right about that. It was so crazy. A 20 yard (laughs) lateral in the middle of the field. And Kelsey just did it on his own. And apparently the only reason we know this is because he did it earlier this season too. And everyone asked like, Oh, is that a design play? And they're like, no, Kelsey keeps practicing this at practice hmm. and he's done it enough and he has such good instincts and the game moves so slow for him that the coaches are just kind of like, well, we're going to let Travis be Travis. And he's done it. He's pra- been practicing it for years now that it's just like, hmm. I guess it's just something he's going to do. And he just did it again and it worked. And, and so I used to get- do that on kickoffs before you walked the planet Earth. I remember SMU one time doing that. The guy gets the ball and threw it all the way across the field. Actually, in the passing, it's a it's timely. The late uh, freight Y check probably had the most famous lateral. Mm. Probably in NFL history, oh, I would guess yeah. you would say oh, that, yeah. right? I can't think of another one that the Stanford band play is the only one that would be higher and that that's college football. Duriel Harris again, before you were alive, one of the great playoff games of all time on the last play of the first half against the chargers in the 41 38 shootout in the divisional round. Mm. Uh, Don Strzok put it on Duriel Harris who in, in one motion catches it and laterals it to Tony Nathan and runs down the sideline for the touchdown. But yeah, I mean, they have, yeah, to your point, um, Did you have you how many of the your old man Dave going down uh, memory lane right. there? You have to indulge me, please. How many of your six kids uh, did you have at that point when that game went on? Is that how many I have now? I just, I just like I to can't add. keep track. I, just like I don't remember. I don't remember. I'll take your word for it. Uh, no, that that play. I choose to believe, though, that because I picked the bills and I've been picking the bills week after week after week. And I've just mm. been wrong so many times just thinking like, Man, this I swear Josh Allen. I know there's like a few plays, but I swear he's playing as well as he ever had. Like he could be the MVP to me with a few little things going differently. Like I just keep thinking their offense. I'm an offensive believer, like better offense wins usually. And I keep right. thinking, well, they're better, their offense is better than the Chiefs. I'm gonna pick them. And 
I'm not counting them out from going down the field and scoring a touchdown with 114 left either because Josh Allen was on on one uh, in that game and it wasn't over. But we got robbed, and I'm I'm with you that they're frustrated. It's so hard to be that team that that wins 12, 13, 14 games a year. That like this seems like it's some sort of catastrophe that they're eight and five and their schedule's easy down the stretch. They're going to win either three or four more games. They're going to win eleven or twelve games. They're going to be like the two to the four seed or something. And it's like. And that somehow feels like everything's going wrong. It's a tough place to be. It right. They are victims of their own recent success. And to your point, they go your Patriots in Foxborough Raiders bungles with Jake Browning. And then at the chargers who, I mean, that, are that's, lost probably four, no. that's probably right, four. No, that's probably four. And I thought they did some good things offensively in that game that got lost in the wash a little bit. Like they moved it very consistently if it wasn't for the the rice had a fumble and the, what was the other play? Uh, the Tony drop. I mean, again, it's these drops, but they, they had a couple of plays that just went yeah. against them and there wasn't a ton of drives there that like, they actually looked okay on offense in this game. I, but that's been the case all year. Like you look at the EPA, the success rate, all that stuff. They look like a top 10 offense. There's just no explosive plays. And there's a way that they, have been finding ways to blow it at the end, which is very unchiefs like every the team of the week right now appears to be the Broncos. They go at the Lions. So that's probably a loss. And that will end this uh, indulgence of maybe the Broncos are going to win the West talk. Maybe. I mean, they've been playing better than the Lions the last six they weeks. Might be, maybe they will. Yeah. The defense is uh, is on a little bit of a roll there. But bottom line is that the Chiefs are going to wind up in the playoffs, but you and I both take a straight line in this regard. Greg Rosenthal said this forever ago, and it's absolutely right. When you can't figure out who's going to win a division or whatever, look at the QBs. Is there a clear-cut best among the quartet? That's the team to pick. Same thing goes uh, for me with home field advantage. Most often in the 21st century, the team that has home field advantage, especially when only one team gets it, that's the team to pick. In the mm. AFC, on the NFC side of things, I think the Eagles probably are still going to end up getting it. And that's not a small thing. But where they're concerned, I do think they legitimately have been exposed a little bit over the last couple of weeks. And I was really struck by Nick Bosa saying, because this happens once in a in a while, you hear a team say, well, we solved them. We, we, we gave you the, the game plan of how you stop blank. And he said that in advance of the Cowboys game. We showed everybody how you stop Jalen Hurts. Hopefully the Cowboys will mm. buy it. Sure looked like they did. I don't know what it was. Do you have any insight on what it is the teams have figured out? Because it does take our old pal Warren Sapp said that forever ago. That give a defensive coordinator enough time. They will eventually figure it out. It won't take them more than three months to eventually figure out what that offense is doing. What are, what are the Eagles? Cause I would not be Philadelphia 10 days ago. Oh, they're, they're going to the super bowl. They beat every good team they play. Now they're going, it, it, they may end up with the number one seat, but if the Niners are on their way to them, how could you have any confidence? They just got doubled up at home there. Right. And I, I think the Niners end up getting it. I know the Niners have the Ravens left on the schedule, but that game's at home. There are two tough games left are at home. I just have a hard time seeing anyone as a favorite against the Ravens. And everyone's saying, oh, the, the Eagles are kind of done with this brutal, tough part of the schedule. First of all, they've had five of those straight games, which I think does wear on you a little, but they haven't had sure. any easy moments. And they're going to Seattle this week, who's like just played Dallas to the end, you know, was in that game against, it's not an easy game going to Seattle either. Wouldn't surprise me if they lose that one too. In terms of Nick, what Nick Bosa said, you know, I think they haven't been able to run the ball consistently. 
And I think teams are gearing up a little bit to stop the run, which sounds counterintuitive when it's Devonta Smith and AJ Brown on the outside. But I think they're just making Hertz have to read through his progressions and keep winning down the field. And I, I, I felt, I feel like an old football guy just being like, Oh, they got to run the ball more. Cause I, I do feel like when they're at their best, it's more consistent in terms of their running game and their running game has not been good for two months. And their back seven on defense to me is the much bigger issue. There was so much talk about the Eagles offense all last week, but it's a, it's a lackluster defense. It's, it's something like 29 30th in EPA over the last eight weeks. So it's the defense to me. That's the bigger issue. But do you agree with my assertion that they're in some jeopardy? That yes. It would be hard to be optimistic after what you just saw over the last couple of games here. I, I, I do this show called uh, Game Day View on NFL Network. We, we pick all the games on Fridays. And they, they keep track because I wouldn't keep track of this. I had picked Jalen Hurts as the starter of the Eagles to win 26 straight times or 27 straight times. I just believe they were the best team always, whoever they were on the field. And they went 24 and three in those games. One of them being a Super Bowl loss that they, you know, had a chance at. And I've picked against them now four straight weeks. Cause now when I watch them, they don't seem like, and they, they won the mm. first two of those. They found a way to beat Kansas city in that game, which looks a little different now. And they, they found a way uh, to get another win in this stretch against, what was it? Buffalo. when I didn't think they were the better team, but like, they just don't look like the better team every week they they look okay and we've seen the way seasons go you could absolutely see them losing this game even against seattle and coming into the playoffs as a five seed and being the best version of the eagles once we actually get to the playoffs i will never forget and i know this doesn't happen often but i will never forget the baltimore ravens winning the super bowl after losing two straight games by 30 in weeks 15 and 16 against mediocre teams because like it it doesn't even December sometimes doesn't totally matter. Like you just so have to true, find, man. you just have to find a way to play your best. Once you get there. I keep saying it. We want, we, we, we've convinced ourselves because we've been in football season now for so long. And, and as I always say, life is short, football season is short, but both also can feel awfully long for certain uh, from certain perspectives too. And now we've decided we know everything. We know who should be the MVP, who the best teams are, but we don't know that. And by the way, as a reminder, remember when Carson Wentz broke his leg? That changed everything, except it didn't because they got uh, the, the football god smiled on them with Nick Foles. But ask the Oakland Raiders and Derek Carr when he broke his leg that year. Things still mm. are going to happen that are going to disrupt all the assumptions that we have between now and the end of the season anyway. I love, you, I love your point, and I, I think about it too because I listen to a lot of NBA podcasts. You you do some NBA coverage, and I'm it always, oh, but yeah, as an NHL outsider more, who doesn't yeah. really know as much about it, it always cracks me up when they're like, yeah, I'm not really so sure about this Bucks team, whether they're going to get their defense together. And I'm like, you go through this every year. These first 15, 20 games, the first 80 games don't matter. Like, why do you get so caught up? But I think it's, you're right, because we are so in the middle of it. We want to believe that it matters so much what we're watching now. And I do think we can look at the, the league overall and say like, okay, there's like eight teams that are probably are going to you know, have a good chance to win the Super Bowl. And the 49ers and I'd throw the Cowboys and even the Ravens and there are legitimately great teams. And like, they, they have a very, you know, reasonable chance to win the Super Bowl. but who the hell knows?
to me, Dolphins and Raider, Ra- Dolphins and Ravens are the two teams, and then you can't discount the Chiefs because they have Mahomes and Reed. Wow, I don't, I do have. not put, I do not put the Chiefs at a different level than those teams. I, I don't. I, I say they're right there. The Ravens, I would put a sure, little above. I, I, right, I'm saying, I, 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 I didn't hold. mean to yeah. to yeah. to slough them off. I'm I, I'm saying the most important thing. They have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. That puts yes. them in that position. If, as long as they get into the tournament here. All right, last thing. Oh, but 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 your point is what I was going to say was you and the fellas uh, do a great job of identifying the myths, tropes and what still is true in 2023 in football terms. And that's exactly right. Something that has changed wildly in the last 20 years or thereabouts is that even the best teams in today's NFL get whipped sometimes. That just did not happen in mm. in in 1994. You know, there are a couple anomalies that surely we will be hit up on social media like, oh, you forgot 1987 when the Broncos were really good, but they lost by 19 to the bad. But for the most part, the the really good teams just did not get housed. They would lose games, obviously. Now, like you you just have those results. It's almost like you're handicapping golf. You have to throw out the worst result because it doesn't Mm. really count at the end of the day. Um. That being said, my last thing for you is because I think you know where my brain is here. Belichick, still in contention for the greatest coach of all time. A little exposed without number 12 there, but still, okay, still in the conversation for greatest coach of all time. Shake your head all you want. That's true. You know that's true. He's in his 70s. I don't know why no one brings this up. Like, oh, what? You don't think he's as good at his job now after doing it for 50 straight years? Like, show me someone that is. Like, like literally he's been in the NFL for 50 years. Why would you think that he's at the level okay. that he was at, at the peak of his powers? If, if God, you know, willing, we are still podcasting at, uh, in 20 years from now, I'm just going to admit it. I'm going to be worse. There's no freaking way that anyone's going to be better. Do you know? Well, I'm I mean, now you right really now, opened way, up a whole peaking. can of worms about American politics and what doctors I see in the future. So wait, so I should go see a 31-year-old doctor instead of a 71-year-old no, doctor? I think different jobs are different, but uh, I think okay. for Belichick, he was reaching his his peak of his powers where he had learned everything and he still had everything and the staff and his energy, everything, you know, it was like 50s, you know, high 40s, 50s. I'll tell you this. You know what I thought was great? Him with Lee Corso. I mean, how, how could that you not good. find that delightful? You're, you're a real, you're, you're an unsalvageable curmudgeon if you didn't enjoy that. Now, so last thing. So <laughs> Belichick may or may not, it's your contention that he is going to be in, without a might, big turnaround. I think Mike Tomlin has a chance. Everyone's throwing dirt on the Steelers right now. And it makes all the sense in the world based on what we've seen. It also would not stun me if Tomlin reeled off three out of four and they wind up 10 and seven and in the playoffs. And in fact, I've said before, I'll say if they beat the Colts, they're going to go to the playoffs, whether you like it or not. But is that going to be enough? And here's my new thing with Tomlin. Maybe he doesn't want to be with the Pittsburgh Steelers anymore. The the evaluation from everybody that I'm reading and talking to and listening to and everything else is, dude, they got to get off this Tomlin. They don't win no playoff games no more and all that. It's like, maybe Mike Tomlin wants to move on. Maybe he wants to go to hmm. Washington, D.C. near, uh, you know, Virginia Beach or, or what, what's it called? Uh, Newport News, I should say. 
you know, maybe maybe there's a different place he wants to be. How say you? Do you think well, something tells me he's not moving back to Newport News, but you know, somewhere in the area that I okay. that people you, that get like a twenty million dollar contract from that owner, which yeah, that might that's probably one that Belichick and Tomlin and some of these guys are like, hmm, wonder how much control and money I could get from that guy. Here's here's your 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 I really do think one of the very best with the ultimately with the X's and O's. Do blame assess before you, we we uh, cut your feet off here. Blame assess. Can he pick it? Offensive scheme. It certainly can't. I, the more I look at it, it cannot be. The offensive line hasn't been as good as I thought it might be. Still, it comes down to the quarterback or the play calls. How say you? In Pittsburgh, so we're not even including Tomlin in terms of the blame here. Well, he I mean, it's, it's, I think it's he's his a big philosophy that. that's being applied here. I think he's a big part of that with, you know, struggling to find the right offensive here's play the caller. Paradox, uh, I don't think Kenny here's Pickett's a paradox. Here's special, a paradox. and I don't think he's going to be special. So okay. I'm going 75% on the QB and 70% on the QB and 30 on the scheme. Interesting. Yeah, I just, but my two cents, if, if, should you care, is I think the paradox is, is that Tomlin on high says the most important thing we can do, because we are now five years into winning games 13 to 12 since Duck Hodges takes makes the scene. We got this is how we're going to win games in the NFL. We're going to dominate you defensively and all that kind of stuff and just scratch out enough to survive. I think that they get so consumed especially with the heater that they finished 2022 on seven and two playing this way is no matter what else you do, number eight, do not turn the ball over, do not take any risks. And that will be enough for us to win games and get to the playoffs. And now that is so in his head that when you watch Mitchell Trubisky, you're like, Hey, guess what? They would have won one to three more games this year. Kenny Pickett merely weren't hurt because the, the Cardinal sin that, Mitchell Trubisky committed against the Cardinals and otherwise is turning the ball over, which Kenny Pickett never did. So I would be eight and five, nine and four as a Steelers fan right now and be like, all right, they don't look good, but they they're still sitting there at the top of the AFC. Right or no? I think that's right. I, I think Mike Tomlin is quite safe. Hmm. Okay. Now it people like to talk, you know, we like to talk about this at this point in the year without recognizing like the last four games are almost the most important part of the That's whole exactly equation. my point from five <laughs> minutes ago. Right. 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 So if he wins three out of four, forget it. If, if they even win two out of four and what would that, they'd have a winning, right? Like, forget it. I, I think they would have to totally crater and it'd have to be embarrassing for this to even be a question. I, I personally would be really surprised if they lost six straight, you know, if they lost five out of six, I don't know. Maybe, maybe then that, that could be something that would happen. I think it would, it would take that. It would take this continuing to roll downhill, but man, that, that Thursday night was rough. rough. Those five days. The air, and then don't forget two the weeks. The Cardinals game that. was weird though because they looked like DTRs, the Browns, they, quarters, uh, and then they get stuffed on the you know one yard line. It's like they had scored that touchdown, they probably win that. Game, you know what I mean? Like, but uh, yeah, that was rough. That was rough. But every game for the Steelers comes down to if that one play had gone. The, I mean, I know that's the NFL, but especially 
You can get hyper specific about you turn that one play around how different the game would go. And that's the experience of rooting for this team this year or for this team for the last five years, really. Anyway, listen, Greg Rosendahl, you're the tops. We appreciate you making the time for us. It's around the NFL. I'm just kidding uh, that I don't know the name of it. And of course, uh, make sure you're checking out all of the boss's great work all over the place. Him and Jezelnik doing their comedy podcast. He's uh I don't know the king of all media, but the prince of it at least, and he is the boss. Going to be fascinating to see Belichick and Tomlin, the two longest tenured coaches along with PK. They both might not make it in the January mm. as the coach. It's fascinating. What about stuff. what about Pete Carroll? He might not be. He might not either. But that one also true. Thing. By the way, I, I'm changing my answer from before. Give me Gerard Mayo. Let's just keep let's keep the old Patriots vibes going and hope. For See, the that's fun. That's why I support Kenny Pickett. People say, <laughs> quite, what, what are you doing, dude? Like. He's the pit guy. What do you mean? Why do yeah. I want him to work? That's yeah. why. Of yeah. course, that's why. Maybe Gerard Mayo like knows who the good young offensive assistants are that Belichick doesn't. Probably not Jim not Harbaugh. Probably. Not Jim Harbaugh. Can't talk no. you into Jim Harbaugh. No, no, no. Okay. All right. Great stuff, Greg Rosenthal. We appreciate you, pal. Thanks, Jack. You know, when the conversation turns stampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full. The word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. There he goes, everybody. Hey, by the way, Eddie Spaghetti, not in. He's traveling out to New York. So we have Brett in, of course, covered in glory. You listen to him and Toby Mergler every week here on the Extra Points Network, producing for us today. Interesting stuff there from the boss, eh? Yeah. No, I mean, the the changing of the guard, well, I don't know if it's really a changing of the guard, but losing three of the more stable, iconic coaches in one offseason would be quite the trip for the NFL. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that would be... A, well, a, sure. A, I mean, the, the obsession with when the QBs, when it was all like Rivers and Peyton and Eli and Brady and Breeze, and it was all like, and Roethlisberger, it was all like, wow, it's all coming that Like, yeah, the league moves on. As they always say, the league is bigger than one person. And I guess that's always continually proven to be the case. But yeah, it would be quite a quite a thing if... Bell, what if one of them moved on it's the end of an era what if two or all three of them did it's quite a quite a time in uh in pro football well i think for me it's like the archetype of a coach like takes a hit in a lot of ways because you know you look at belichick and tomlin and carroll and you kind of get like them as as the ceos the overseers but this new wave like kevin o'connell mike mcdonald mike mcdaniel's done really well like you know, Kyle Shanahan, even like they're the gurus, right? Like they're the offensive right guys. And so you're, you're kind of taking like this shift of like who the people are on the sideline, like the perception of those people, that career, like totally shifts. I think when you remove these guys, if they end up leaving or even changing teams or, or sitting out of year, whatever it's, it, it is. Right. And D'Amico Ryan's, like I say, is anomalous in the way it seems like most teams are approaching it now. And as you say, like Iron Fist CEO, I don't mean rah-rah speeches and berating human beings kind of thing, like Bob Knight style. I, I get what you're saying, though. Overseer of all has has a hand in every um, uh, position room and everything else. I hear what you're saying, though. It seems to me the essential get this offseason is going to be the offensive coordinator from the Detroit Lions, a guy like that, Ben Johnson, who no matter who you have at the most important position on the field at QB, that guy can override all that. I, I look at the results of the Lions. I know they're scuffling a little bit right now, but the point still stands. The issue is that you're not going to be able to get that guy to take any job other than the head coaching gig. So he's hyper-specific in understanding the scheme of the offense, but it does seem to be working, to your point, as long as it's sort of, by you know, I, I get the sense Mike McDaniel is perfectly cool with having leaving defense to another human being entirely. Like, you do that side, <laughs> I'll take care of this offense, and together we shall cook. You know, I think that that so anyway, up upcoming here now to get in a little bit deeper here on the Andy Reid, the Belichick and Tomlin of it. I did mention at the top, we have new Neil Kulong from Sports Illustrated joining us here. He is not a hot taker. So I was really struck by his tweet at some point this weekend that he doesn't think Tomlin's going to be the head coach of the Steelers. 
by the end of this season or not uh, not much longer after it wraps up in week 18 in Baltimore. Let's talk to him right now, Neil Coulomb. And now a quick break. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm going to jump right to it. I don't want to say this is an emergency um, inclusion in minus three today, but he did tweet something out over the last few days that really stood out to me with all the histrionic and hy- hyperbolic commentary on the Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously deeply informed about all 32 of your favorite pro football teams out there. He is the breaking news guy at USA Today, and he's our pal. He's Neil Kulong. What's happening, fella? Uh, you know, it, it's... uh. This time of the year, you get into sort of the, uh, I don't want to say the malaise, but it, it's like the, the the fall period has ended and you get charged mm-hmm. up for the winter because this is when the playoffs start uh, coming into focus. You wonder who the best team is going to be. You're watching games a lot more intently because there are a lot more uh, uh, implication laden games out there. This is the best time of the year, not just uh, not just for bowl season, but as far as the NFL goes, I, I love December. I, I love the the crunch time, the rush for it. I'm glad you said crunch because, you know, when you go to uh, like your favorite yogurt place uh, with the kids or otherwise, maybe you like to eat yogurt yourself. That's I'm not judging you. Um, and, and at the counter, they have to push the, the hot uh, the hot fudge and they have the hot caramel. But they also still make I'm surprised because it, it it's a cool science experiment the 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 chocolate that hardens the syrup that hardens mm. like after about 20 seconds you know on the ice Make cream the shell it, yeah the shell i always thought that like you when, when you first see it as a kid you're like oh my god that's the coolest uh, magic i've ever seen but the saw you know at the end of the day i want the hot fudge like the 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 novelty is great but like it where anyway my point is this much like uh, I think football fans, we try to make the chocolate harden um, after week 13 and 14. But there are still the matters of weeks 15, 16, 17 and 18 yet to go. So let's slow our roll a little bit and not decide everything, including MVP and who's the number one seed. These things will settle themselves or I guess to some degree we will settle them with uh, with our votes or Coulong will. OK, I'm sorry. I'm babbling here. I don't know why I'm vamping. I want to hear what you want to hear you back up what you said there. Your tweet was the other day, in case anybody didn't hear the Steelers lost to the Patriots, who are two and 10 after they lost to the Cardinals, who are two and 10, both in Pittsburgh. 
and Kulong, as everybody is saying, oh, they got to fire Tomlin and they got to um, send Kenny Pickett out to space. He said, Kulong did. I no longer think Mike Tomlin survives this. Explain. I think talking about a coach who's been in his job and been successful at his job uh, for 17 years, it, it puts you in a different level. And there's not a whole lot of precedent to this. I know that, that Steelers fans will own the market as far as never getting rid of your coach. Like, well, okay, they, they do, though. It's not that it never happens. Uh, Chuck Knoll resigned, retired. Bill Cower resigned. They don't fire anybody, but they change coaches. Okay, it does happen. Um, and, you know, if, if we look at since 1970 as precedent, um, we can expect it to happen somewhere around the 15 to 20 year mark, which is where Mike Tomlin is. If you want to use precedent, use it fairly. Where Tomlin is um, in, in, re in relation to his peers, uh, I feel he's he's at a high level. He is a, an excellent football coach. I don't think anybody would say that he's not uh, who knows what coaching is, what success is. His players won't tell you that. <clears throat> what we have seen, though, really, uh, the, the the line of demarcation that I set is when Ben Roethlisberger's elbow snapped in week two of the, the 2019 season. From that point forward, they've played really probably, you know, the, the prior six quarters to him getting hurt. But really, at that point, they have been playing without even a, a higher end quarterback. You know, mediocre is what they're looking up at for the most part. The Steelers have played quality defense in that time. They've been successful in a, just strictly we win a few more than we lose type of way. They get boat raced in the playoffs. They're not serious contenders to anybody outside of Steelers fans who think that they're probably a lot better than they really are. Four years of this now is what we're looking at. A team that I have had mixed thoughts going into a season. Um, last year, I, I thought they'd be a lot worse than they ended up. The year before that, I thought they'd be a lot worse than they ended up. That's that's become Mike Tomlin's calling card. He's become a great coach for under-talented teams and getting them uh, to play above and beyond the, the sum of their parts. I describe it continually as him throwing knuckleballs. That yeah. He wants to muddy it up week after week, and sometimes that's going to get some splatter on you, too. Your team's not going to always look good when you're playing that kind of ball, but it yields more victories than it does losses, and it happens against, for all the cynicism, not just against Will Levis and the Tennessee Titans, one-score game against a bum team, but also against good teams, the Baltimore Ravens and so on. The Ravens can't beat the Steelers. I mean, right. the Steelers have won, what, five or six or something like that. Uh, and the Ravens have been, in my opinion, objectively better than the Steelers have uh, over that time. Sure. They, they drag people down in the mud and make them play their game. The teams that don't do that, the teams that are able to shut the door on them, not allow T.J. Watt to come rushing free, not allowing defensive linemen to charge down the field, make plays on, on ball carriers five, six yards deep. Uh, those are the teams that beat them. And typically when they beat them, they beat them like what we saw the Patriots do by and large, get to a lead and hold it throughout the game or the Cardinals, even that they, they pretty much stomped them throughout. Um, they're, they're just, they're not a team that can ascend past this. So my thought really is more than anything, where are we going? At what point I agree do you kind of say this I agree with exactly stop? this. This is, I, I, I want to just talk about this for a minute. Because here's the devil's damn about 
this particular Steelers team sitting at seven and six in the sea of mediocrity. On one hand, I don't see them as constituted with Kenny Pickett, you know, under center or, you know, in shotgun, whatever. Um, I don't see them winning the Super Bowl when I focus just on them. I also can talk myself into there not being, you know, maybe one to three legitimate teams that would really beat up on Pittsburgh in January. Everybody else is, you know, they would certainly in my expectation would be if they had to go to Charm City for a playoff game is that the Steelers would hang with the Ravens. They would not get housed by them. Would they get housed by the Chiefs as uh, given the way the Chiefs look? I mean, maybe they would get whipped by the Dolphins on the fast track in South Beach. Outside of that, I just I'm not terribly spooked. But in the here and now, they're seven and six. I can make a pretty decent case. Devils Damashek can that they would have won one or two or maybe all three of those games, given the way Tomlin, as you say, is steeped as they are in this. You know, it's the Bane versus Batman fight in Dark Knight Rises. Like, oh, you you think you're, you're, the, the darkness is your ally. I was born into like the, the Steelers are now a half decade into playing this style of ball. I think it is not fluky that they win games like this against good or bad teams. And therefore, I could say at home, Jacksonville, Arizona, and New England, they would have won one, at least one of those games. And if they had, they would right now be eight and five, and we'd be singing a very different song. And, and we might even be looking at them tied up with the Ravens. That's my pushback. I'm not saying that I necessarily 100% believe any of what I just said to you, but I can sort of make a case. And then I can see why Tomlin is leaning into that brand, brand of ball. How say you? I... I can't argue with the fact that that is what happened, but at the same time, they did lose to Jacksonville. They did lose to new England. They did lose with their to the backup Cardinals. Though. With, with their backup. What if Pickett I, is in there? I'm not sure the backup is all that much different than the starters. To be honest, they're, they're not it, it, look, they have not fired a coordinator or head coach in season since 1941. Okay. That's a, that's a long time ago. Pre U S involvement in world war one. Or World War II. <laughs> you're, you're talking about an archaic time as far as football is concerned. So, in other words, this has been modus operandi for them. They ride or die with whoever they hire. I the know problem, that's why that's what don't you see that the 2023 Pittsburgh Steelers offense is an homage to mid-century heroes who it, fought it, World it War really II and is. saved the planet? That's it. It really is. And, and they Execute it as if those soldiers are playing football today. And that's mm. part of the problem. When you are that far below average, you are legitimately, I very easily make the argument, they have been the worst offense in football for the last three years. There is no progress that we are seeing. You know, I will we'll save it for another time of who Kenny Pickett is as a quarterback. So I'm not exactly sure. But what I know is Kenny Pickett is not a good quarterback right now. If he's not being schemed up for that, why not? You've had ample opportunity to do that. This hasn't come together. This hasn't happened. And now I'm at the point where I would have said previously, you're building to something. You're adding more pieces to it. I expected the offense to have a lot more fluidity than it has. I expected it to play a lot more intelligently than it has. It hasn't. You got rid of the offensive coordinator and arguably worse. So what are we supposed to believe at this point that is going to be fixed? What is Mike Tomlin doing? What's his plan to fix this? Because TJ Watt is only getting older. He's only getting more hurt. That contract, you're you're getting into the fat years of it. It's going to be harder to maintain the 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 
you know, salary star power they have defensively. And they've been a good defensive team. But what happens when Cam Hayward isn't in there? They give up 200 yards rushing and they get crushed by whoever it is. Minka Fitzpatrick misses a bunch of time. They're they're a sieve in their deep secondary. They don't have the money to pay for the depth on defense to make up for an offense that scores 16 points a game in a, a, a high scoring era of the NFL. And it, they it, were it, merely getting to that's to me, that's a, the thing I keep tripping up on. They don't have to get to a level that you the, the expectation of, say, two or three years ago is like you got to land in the mid to high 20s if you want to be competitive in a in a realistic way in January with the with the heavyweights of the AFC. If this team were coming in around 23 points a game, they would be a world beater that I mean, they, they, you know, based yeah. on the win loss tally at minimum. Um, so. So, OK, so what do you think then? So you say you think Tomlin's not going to survive. What do you think? How Explain to me the sequence of events over the next six weeks or so that lead to his demise in Pittsburgh. Trade, fired, he moves on. I don't believe. I'm curious what you think, given your, 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 your line of work. Do you buy, and your, your association with the Pittsburgh Steelers specifically, um versus the other 31 pro football teams there's always this sense of like the Steelers are very closed off like they are hard to 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 penetrate in terms of like what's going on inside that building and what are the rumors and they keep it real tight there do you buy when national reporters are like I have no sources that say Tomlin that my sources tell me there's no chance Tomlin I think that's kind of jive do you because I, I know people who are real tied in and they don't know what's going on. So, first of all, address that. And then I'm curious what your your wider expectation is about if you think Tomlin's moving on from Pittsburgh, how that's going to go down. Having been inside uh, the organization, having observed it outside for a very long time, it, I have come to the belief that if the Steelers want information leaked, they leak it. If they don't, it doesn't get leaked. Uh, they are very intentional and very deliberate with what they do. Um, we had absolutely no specific reason to think Matt Canada was going to get fired on that Monday or Tuesday or whatever that, that day was. It happened. They announced it. Nobody broke that story. They announced it. Um, they will keep it tight-lipped. But what they can't cover, and that this to me is, is really the, the fulcrum of the whole thing, they didn't... Let me phrase this correctly. Mike Tomlin did not sign an extension last offseason, meaning the 2024 season is his final year uh, under this current contract. NFL coaches do not coach into the final year of their contract. That's bad. It's not an ego thing. It's bad for free agency. It's bad for your, your plans of continuity. It's telling everybody else you're lame duck. Your, your guy's entering the last year of what he's doing. You don't even know what you're going to do with your head coach. How stable of an organization are you? Do you want to call the Pittsburgh Steelers instable? No, that's the one thing they absolutely want to be. They would have given him an extension if it was a situation where they felt, there are two parts to this really, but they felt they have their guy. This is what they want to do. Let's tell the world through an extension so we can you know go out and get these players. This is what we're planning on doing. It didn't happen. Now, it's a two-way street. We don't know that Mike Tomlin was offered an extension and he didn't sign it. And we don't know that because it never leaked. The team didn't mention that. So we don't know. What the fact is, though, Mike Tomlin, of all coaches, entering the final year of his contract, 
means something. Don't think that it doesn't. It, it absolutely has a purpose. I don't know whether that's Tomlin wants to walk and he's done. He's going to go get 20 million in the booth, with the, which he absolutely would, by the way. Anybody that knows Mike Tomlin outside of, of his podium would tell you, you'd pay to listen to this man talk. He'd be fantastic mm-hmm. in that job. I don't know if that's what he wants to do because he has only ever said the one thing he wants to do is coach football. So I don't necessarily think that he wants to be done. But the fact that an extension was not signed heading into this season only says there is something of a referendum going on about Mike Tomlin within the organization. And you cannot tell me this season has lived up to par for what they thought was going to happen. They still have the worst offensive offense in the game. They did something they have not done in 80 years, firing their offensive coordinator, who they shouldn't have kept in the first place, in my opinion. And they probably should have known that. For whatever reason, there is internal discourse going on. And it's obvious the message was to Mike Tomlin one way or another, this season means something for the future, whether that's Tomlin wanting to leave, whether that's the team wanting to keep him. Um, And with one year left on his contract, too, if you're going to work out a trade now is kind of the time you have to do it because that, you know, the, the precedent is Sean Payton. Sean Payton wasn't fired. He quit. He retired. He resigned, whatever you want to call it. They still have his contract. The Saints still had his contractual rights. So for Denver to hire him as a coach, they needed to give up something. Sure, the Steelers would probably do that if if both sides agreed that it's time to move on. But before we get to that point, you have to ask yourself, do you want this person overseeing what has to be a complete rebuild of your offense? Because their offense is terrible. You can't dispute that. There's not a future there without the coordinator. I can say that because they're the same team. They, you know, it, in the, in the, the post Matt Canada game, you had Deontay Johnson deliberately ignoring the play right in front of him. You have George Pickens complaining pre Canada and post Canada about whatever it is that's happening. You have your running back taking snipes at whoever in, in post game press conferences. There, there are gaps in the armor here that I think signify it, it's coming loose. So for me, it's more like, does this look good to you or what? Is this moving in a direction that you want to see it in? Or do you think you it's a good idea to try to run this back without significant changes? I hear you on all that. And I do think that the the the. Uh, posture that it it feels like the media and the the fan base with their chants and all of this uh, all of uh, all of that nonsense is ignoring collectively that Tomlin might be looking around and being like you know what enough I, I I can move on and there are going to be opportunities it would appear all over Pro Football America upcoming in the next you know two or three months I think also. The thing that people ignore is like, well, hey, do I don't just go get one of them bright young uh, OCs out there? Well, because Ben Johnson, uh, the the Lions OC, is not moving down. He's not going to make a lateral move down to Pittsburgh to coach the Steelers' offense. There, you're you're not going to get Ryan Grubbs. You're not going to pry him loose from the from uh, Washington and the Huskies to come and play OC for the Steelers, right? I mean, he's he's either going to take a head coaching gig or nothing. Bobby Slowick down in Houston is not moving up to Pittsburgh to coach Kenny Pickett. So you have to give them a head coaching gig. I mean, the the in fact, I I say the Texans. D'Amico Ryan's is sort of the anomaly. Look at the 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 this is the thing to me always is People get swept up in like, they they got to fire this guy and they got to move on from this guy. Like for whom? That's always the question. For what? 
are you moving on? All the people in New England, ah, they got to move on from Belichick. For what and for what situation? So what's the answer to that? And and also, you still didn't answer the question too. I'm sorry, I'm because my brain's all over the place. This isn't on you, Kulong. But so what do you think is the next six weeks? Do you think it's Art 2 and Mike Tomlin and Omar Khan like saying like, this is what's best for us. And Mike, you're cool. Like you want to move on. We're going to deal you to your location. Like, is that the sequence of events? I mean, how, how does that it, play itself out? It's it's hard to tell exactly just because it is so tight lipped. It is so buttoned up. And, and if anything that you can credit Mike Tomlin for historically speaking in the NFL, I don't think a, a head coach has been better at controlling the message the way Mike Tomlin does. Uh, he's a master of it high level politician type of of spin. I don't want to act as, you know, like that th this is what he should do or anything. But example, um you you saw Deontay Johnson's situation. The media entered the post-game scrum for Tomlin armed to the teeth, ready to write the column just bashing Deontay Johnson within an inch of his life. What does Mike Tomlin do? TJ Watts the greatest defensive player in the world at this point. Watt didn't even play a great game. Why would he have brought that up then? It's to get people like me not writing about Deontay Johnson, but rather go with the, the pro jingoism that is TJ Watt and all his glory and everything about TJ Watt, get the focus on something else. He did that intentionally. That's a master. He is, is brilliant when it comes to that. You don't want to lose that per se as a franchise. And at the same time, if you're really good at it, you're not going to reveal exactly what you're going to do. You're going to keep it on message for what you you want everybody to see and say in here. Um, they could trade him if he wanted to go somewhere else. I don't know whether he would. The question here comes down to that. This is always rumor. You've heard one thing. I've heard one thing. Everyone's you know, they're they're set in their their particular idea because somebody mentioned it once. We don't know who ultimately is hiring who they're hiring, but. Hypothetically, let's just say Art Rooney is the one who ultimately hired Matt Canada. Art Rooney is the one who made all of these decisions. What if Tomlin says, you know what? It, this isn't working for me anymore. I had to fire this guy despite the fact that my owner has never done this. I had to set history and more or less save Matt Canada from himself and from the public. I had to do all that. I want to pick the groceries if you're asking me to cook the meal. If you're not going to let me do that, I want to go somewhere that will. That's just it for me. I've done this for a long time. We've had a lot of success. I just want to go in a different direction now. He's he's you know he's breaking out. He wants to go solo. That's that's a possibility. On the other hand, what if it is Tomlin who hired everybody? Going back to what I'd said before, the rhetorical question is: Is this working? Do you think this is working well? You know what what's your what's your answer? How are you? How do you address this? How do you fix this? For me, if it is anything other than a complete overhaul. There's no reason Art Rooney should be satisfied with it. And if it's anything of taking power away from Mike Tomlin, as in, okay, your coaching hires didn't work. I'm going to have my own now. If it's that for Tomlin, I don't understand why he would stay. He doesn't need to. It's his market. He would absolutely be the top coach. Bobby Slowick, who you brought up, is, is a genius in his own right. But for the Steelers to improve their offense, my opinion, they need a head coach. You're not going to get a high-level coordinator to come in, one, to fix the problems this team has on offense, and two, to, to be somebody who's brought in specifically to stay. 
They hired Todd Haley after getting assurances that he wasn't going to pursue another head coaching job. Not that he would have gotten one, but Todd Haley said it often. The only thing I want to do is run the offense and call plays. I don't want to be a head coach ever again. Very appealing to the Steelers. Mike Munchak said the exact same thing. Done with being a head coach. I just want to coach the offensive line. Steelers hired him five minutes after he got fired. It makes sense. So if you're going to bring in an offensive coordinator that you want to stick around in today's NFL, he needs to be your head coach. So is Tomlin standing that's in the way of That's my point. So like, does this line up? I guess that's what I'm getting at. If you buy yeah. the thing that the Steelers might move on and Tomlin would have a hand in that, or, you know, maybe it's his will and maybe that's the motivating factor in all of it is that he wants to go somewhere else. Is the next move, you know, guy in his mid to late thirties, is it like, Hey, Ben Johnson, you know, blank check. Here you go. Next 20 years. You see our our legacy with head coaches. The the next uh, couple of decades belong to you. Come fix our team. Is that the answer? Well, I, I would say this. The, the legacy is established at a, a completely different point in the NFL. When Mike Tomlin was hired, you could hit quarterbacks in the head. It's an instrumental part of the game now. We have to be part-time lawyers to discuss fines and punishment and everything. The culture is completely changed. Not because of that. I'm just using that as an example. You can't just say because they've done this twice prior to this in the last 70 years that this is what they're going to do. We don't know. Dan Rooney hired Mike Tomlin. Okay. Dan Rooney hired Bill Cowher. We don't know what Art Rooney would do. You know, and I'm not saying that he will or he won't. It's just we don't have any precedent to say. Um, I will I say agree. this. I, I get the monolith, the Rooney family, like yeah, the distinction between from art from, from you know, uh, from art to Dan was significant. So obviously, yes, these are different human beings just because they sur share a surname doesn't right. mean they make the same decisions. But yes. And the, 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 the idea overall is and I, I think, you know, people want to credit the Steelers for this. Every team wants to hire a coach who's going to be their coach for 30 years. Sure. You know, why would you not want that? Uh, obviously, it doesn't work out. And I, I feel even with the culture the Steelers have, I don't think Mike Tomlin has been fireable often, if at all, since since 2007. So they haven't had a need to make a move. I feel like now they're, they're at the precipice. They're at the edge. And right now, you know, you're at a point where you either leap off the edge of the cliff or you walk away from it. You can't sit and, at the edge forever. And, and what they have you predict, So give me, give us the final prediction where this <laughs> is concerned. Because this is, I, I, you're not a hot taker, Kulong. So this I'm is, not. This is I, hot I'm, stuff for you to be saying that you don't think Tomlin is the head coach of the Steelers after what January of 2024 or before. I think I, I am moved and compelled by the fact that he doesn't have a contract extension. So on one hand, I will say this: this question will be answered pretty quickly after their final game this season, which I think is fair to say right now, the direction they're heading is going to be in week 18 against Baltimore. They're, they're not going to advance the postseason. I, I honestly want to say. Disagree with you about that. They beat okay. the Colts, whether you like yeah, it or not. I, I don't know if they're going to, but if they beat the Colts, the path is pretty clear for them. If, if ever there was a rebound game, it's this one. They, they need it badly for sure. But I, I don't think that he survives it just because I'm not even sure the plan was for him to survive it. I, I think there's something to be said again about the fact they don't have him on an extension. That only means there's a referendum toward him or he intentionally didn't sign it because he isn't sure exactly what he's going to do yet. Therefore, they, they pull the offer or whatever. The idea to me, though, I, I think they part ways after the season. And I think we find that out pretty quickly what they're going to do. Um, pick your reason why they're going to do it. I just, I, I think overall, what are we doing here? 
You know, it's been four years of this. I don't know what answer you have anymore, but you, the, the reason you've won as many games as you have is because your team plays above and beyond, which they have up until now. And this is a transitional point for the team. They have 45 guys signed next year. They're going to be over the cap at, at the end of the season. Not that it's not manageable, but what it says is the new regime that's come in has plans for this roster and they want to overhaul it. I'd like to know what makes them feel confident after this season, they're going in the right direction offensively. And why wouldn't they question this anymore? And I also don't think Tomlin deserves to be questioned in that way. And I don't think he would appreciate it because you can't just ask the question and then, and then move on. You can't unring that bell that to some people will be perceived as disrespect. So if that's the case, I don't want to be here anymore. Never mind, fire me. And he moves I, on, he goes to Chicago, he gets paid in, oh. in equity. And, you know, he's got the team that's on the rise right now with a good defense that, that you know, can continue to improve with a good young quarterback and a boatload of capital if they feel Fields is their guy and don't want the top two, three pick that they'll get. And that would now, be a trade seems. to this. So and, and in this scenario, Pittsburgh would receive well, it, uh, it, it's, at least one first round pick there. I, I don't know if you can say it's not impossible. But I don't know if you could say that. I I don't think the Bears would feel they have to give up that much for a coach who doesn't want to coach in Pittsburgh anymore. There's a Hmm. stalemate. He probably has to wait a year. And at that point, you've got a little bit more leverage to go where you want to go. But I also think for the sake of respect, the Steelers would fire him and let him go get his job elsewhere because he's going to make more than the Steelers are paying him. So the Steelers then don't have to pay that. And they're not going to pay a new coach what they're paying Tomlin. So they save money in the whole deal. All the stars to me align in the sense that it's just time for new direction. I don't feel that Tomlin failed. I certainly don't feel that he is a bad coach. I just think they need a different voice and the attitude of the players, the way that they're playing, certainly these last two games. And to be fair, we're recording this with four games to go. We'll see what happens. But where I sit right now, December 11th, 2023, I, I think they're going to part ways one way or another. I do, a trade is not all that feasible. It just isn't. The Steelers aren't going to profit from this the way fans think that they will. But I, I do think it's time for new leadership and they need to overhaul their their whole coaching staff. And I don't think Mike Tomlin would man. want to do that. So that's why he would leave. I mean, bottom line, it's fascinating stuff. The Steelers don't change coaches more than once every quarter century or thereabouts. And the idea that the New England Patriots might also move on from their icon of a head coach is fascinating. And it all looks back to Andy Reid, who moved on from Philadelphia and came through clean on the other side. And so, too, did the Eagles organization. But where Andy Reid's concerned, I think we're getting we're not seeing the forest for the trees here. Yeah, he and Mahomes. Belly aching is a bad look about the offsides by Kadarius Tony, but isn't the larger point accurate? The refereeing is taking the shine off of the entire league these this year, right? And furthermore, where are these Chiefs as we sit here with a couple of weeks left in the 2023 defense of their crown? What what the Chiefs have done offensively this year, in particular with with their decisions personnel wise for the the receivers that they've had. Um, I, I, that's, that's leading them to the total lack of success that they've had. They're not a dominant offensive team and they certainly could be had they made, uh, you know, smarter choices personnel wise with their receivers. And to some degree, you're, you're seeing Mahomes uh, obviously frustrated because of that. In my opinion, I, I think 
I get why he's upset that the officials would call that from his vantage point before he's seen it on screen without seeing the officials uh, perspective of it. But more than anything, let's keep in mind, Kadarius Tony is the guy that dropped like eight passes in, in their week one game. Um, he hasn't been what they needed him to be, to put it mildly. And I, I think it boiled over. And from his perspective, after a really tough loss against a, a rival, I think it, from a leadership perspective, I think it makes sense to immediately assign a common enemy as opposed to ripping on your teammate, letting the media drag them out. Because now, yes, people are talking about Tony, but more of the conversation right now is how Mahomes went completely ballistic after the game, reads comments after the game. It's not that Tony is getting off light, but it would have been a lot worse if Mahomes didn't react to that and just said, ah, well, you know what, we'll, we'll get him next time. You know, if, they, if that's how he's mm. going to approach it, uh, would it, it would have gone a lot worse for his teammate. And I think he's just fallen on the sword as best he can. The question is, though, with uh, with the Chiefs, you know, the, the one game and obviously the MVS PI that wasn't called the week before and all of that is it like, let's let's try to see the forest for the trees where the defending champs are concerned and the lack of wideouts or, 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 or uh, dependable wideouts. But I mean, the their goose is kind of cooked if Travis Kelsey is washed, right? On offense, I mean, he's he's the essential uh, target out on the field that makes everything go for Mahomes, and it does feel like, despite the 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 spectacular fun play he made to apparently win the game there, like he has not been himself for the last month or six weeks, and I am not inclined as a non-conspiracy theorist to put this on Taylor Swift. I just think it's his age and he, and he, um, I do actually wonder though, you know, the success of his podcast and he's traveling to Brazil. Maybe that, maybe he has sort of become a three-dimensional soul in a way that does have him distract or maybe it's just his age. Like I say, and he's slowing down a little bit either way are, are the chiefs in some legit trouble now beyond their complaints about the officials. I, I think so. I mean, they just lost a really tough game at home. They scored, what, 17 points. Um, they, they had an opportunity to win the game and failed to do it. Whoever's fault that is, um, you know, it, that that's beside the point. They had ample opportunity to, to beat a Bills team that couldn't have been more distracted going into this game. Mm. Kansas City, if they were going to roll a good team, this is the week they would have done it. But they, they came out flat. They're not executing particularly well. Um, as, as far as Kelsey goes, he's, he's, I don't think people realize this. He's an old player. He's been around yeah. for a long time. You remember back in the day when he shoved Ross Cockrell in the playoff game, he was, you know, into his career at that point. And that was eight years ago or whatever it is. Um, absolute first ballot hall of famer, still a great player, but you remember just, I don't know how many weeks ago it was exactly, but he got hurt toward the end of uh, a game against the Vikings and an injury that they'd honestly looked like he wasn't going to come back and he came back and played. And that that's not something that, okay, he's fine. Rest it up, you know, rub some dirt on it. He's good to go the next week. That's going to stay with you throughout the season. And all the wear and tear is going to collectively uh, uh, pile up to a point where you're not going to be the same player at the end of the year. Nobody really is, but the older players are going to have, more of a tough time with that. Kelsey's a warrior. The guy battles. He plays the game really hard, and we saw that yesterday. But he's not the player in in week fifteen that he is in week two. You know, and I think that more than anything is the problem. But it accentuates the fact that they don't have any other options, or they've done a poor job in in trying to set up the rest of them. 
So for me, Chiefs are are vulnerable. Um, I don't know who the best team is in the AFC. And, you know, the Chiefs can lay claim to some of that, but uh, it, it's tough to say. You're not getting great play consistently out of most of, of the contenders in the AFC. Well, you mentioned it, so I'm curious. So let's wrap it up there. Sorry, Brett, this is going to be a big pain in the butt, but I want you both to understand where my head is here. So mark this spot here, Brett. I'm sorry for this because I didn't mean for us to jump in, but we started a conversation and this will be at the back end of things here. So that's why I say wrap it up. But then at the top, I want to lead with the his his uh, his prediction that Tomlin is not going to survive this. OK, but there's, I do want to wrap this up. OK, I'm sorry. Okay, thanks. I appreciate it. I don't mean to create a bunch of headaches for for either one of you guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I'm going to go back to the top and like reset the whole thing. And like, let's talk about what happened with the Chiefs. So so anyway, so that's where my map is for both of you guys to know where I'm going. Okay, I know. I'm already a lunatic. All right. All right, well, you float the hypothetical. Let's wrap it up or the the, uh, rhetorical, I should say. Um, Now you have to answer it who is the best team in the AFC? It seems like a pretty straightforward answer at this point, but consider me a little underwhelmed. Right now, you go by records, um, certainly in in terms of dramatic wins, you're going to say the Ravens. And there's a lot to like about Baltimore, um, except for the fact that they don't play like that every week. Um, In in many cases, they they shut the the door on the Rams. Rams, I, I felt, played above and beyond what you could have expected from the Rams. They're a different team than they were earlier this season. Put up a good fight, but that's not a highly talented team overall. Uh, they played well in this game. Baltimore shut the door on them. They had the opportunity to do it, but somehow or other, they managed the late field goal. Somehow or other, Baltimore gets the ball in overtime. Um, and it, 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 I think they did the Rams have it first. I think maybe the Rams had it first. The defense then can step up and and take care of business. Yeah, Ravens stopped. Uh, no, Ravens went three and out. Yeah, and I thought, yeah, okay. boy, the Rams are going to drive the field here and right. now upset you, you, the best team, the the nominal best team in the AFC here. Yeah, all momentum's on their side. You, you think that the good team, especially after the last drive, uh, certainly the last play that resulted uh, um, in them taking the lead, their offense is ready to go, and and then they just they stalled out again. Uh, they they do that a lot. And it, it's not that they're a bad offense. It's just it, it always seems to me like they leave plays on the field. And that's not something you can do come January when you're not going to be able to put 30 points on a team consistently. Uh, the opponents you're going to play are going to be much closer to your level, probably talent wise than the Rams are right now to the Ravens. But the Ravens, I think, have the best balance of anybody. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. But you beat a, a battle hardened Chiefs team. You've accomplished something. And because of that, you know, can you count out Buffalo just yet? Not 100% sure. Uh, that Jacksonville team is is feisty. That's not somebody that you want to play week in and week out. Um, they're they're going to be difficult to beat, probably more of a, a, a division round, wild card round um, upset type of team. But it, it, they're balanced and they're stacked in the AFC. They might not have the highest ceiling, but they're going to be very competitive amongst one another. So going into this week now, I'm going to say Baltimore, but I, I reserve the right to change that next week and put them at like five because that seems to happen. That's the wise and rational way to do it. But that's not the way podcasting and sports <laughs> media works in the 21st century. Cool on catch up, man. Um, no. The uh, I agree with you. I just, you know, the sea of mediocrity and all of that. I mean, I'll just keep saying it, that whoever gets the number one seed obviously has a massive inside track, even more than most seasons, because if the Ravens, if you tell me that the premise is that they get two home games and they're going to get to avoid the wild card, I'll think very differently about them 
versus three in a row. I just have my doubts. Like you say, the lack of consistency from that offense makes me think they'll they'll trip up somewhere if they have to go on the road at any point. But then again, I look around the AFC and I'm just not overwhelmed by the the the, I, the absence of a couple of high end teams. Like the Dolphins fascinate me, but besides that, you know, I'm I'm not spooked by anybody, and that's what brings me back to my recurring point, which is. Who is so scary that you can't yep. see if you just get into the mix here that you can't make at least a little bit of hay, that you can't win at least a wild card round game. And then who knows where you go from there. Anyway, listen, awesome stuff. Neil Kulong, uh, USA Today, the place to track him down always. He's telling you what's going down um, before just about anybody else is. He's always number one in my heart, um, always uh, answering the questions with a plum. We'll talk to you soon, Pally. Thanks for the time in the meantime. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. There he goes. And uh, and great stuff from Neil there as well. Boy, oh boy. Tumultuous times there, uh, Brett. That's what you get in the sea of mediocrity. And that's what the NFL is. Save a couple of teams out there. Everybody's wringing their hands about how they can get a little bit better. Either way, Brett, much appreciated for filling in for, uh, for Eddie Spaghetti today. And I uh, can't wait to hear you and Toby on Covered in Glory. And thanks for uh, for checking out all the good work here on the Extra Points Network. Good stuff coming at you all this week. We have Hench coming up on Thursday here on Minus 3. Sarah Tiana and I are going to chop it up for you on Wednesday on Extra Points. And then on Friday, the 15-minute NFL pregame show coming at you at its regularly appointed time, 4 p.m., Eastern on Twitter going live. Then make sure you're checking it out until all that stuff goes down. Thanks to our guests, Rosenthal and Kulong. And thanks to you. It's been a thin slice of heaven. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.